Aren't you glad the Word of God is truth tonight? Let's stand up together and make our confession. Um, God knows where you are tonight. He's brought you here. You're, you're here on purpose. Amen? But, but greater than that, you have a purpose. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. <laughs> so let's make our confession. If you're visiting, we say this every time we come together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open and my mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Everybody who believe that, believe that said, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Um, we're going to be talking again tonight about faith. Actually, I have one more week, and then uh, this series will be finished. It's been um, a great series for me. It's encouraged me. How many of it's, you, it's encouraged you, the things that God has shared with us? And if you're visiting, that was the word God gave me for 2018, increase your faith. And uh, when God gives you a word like that, you know you're going to be in places where you've never been before because your faith is increased when you have to believe God for things that you haven't seen in the natural yet. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. And so uh, an exercise in faith or growing in faith, uh, similar to what Aaron just shared in the offering, it's an opportunity to step beyond what you've experienced as truth to learn something new that's truth in your head, but it hasn't gotten on the inside. How many of you know there's a lot of things you know in your head? But it, not until it gets on the inside does it become real for you. And you begin to live out of your heart instead of your head. And so that's kind of what it is when you increase your faith. You go to another level, so to speak. And so the first time we shared, it was on increase your faith. The second one was unity of faith. Then we talked about breakthrough faith. That faith is the way we break through things in our life that just seem like they're never going to move. How many of you have ever had a situation you felt like God told you it was going to be this or that, and it just is not this or that. It's something else, and you just are waiting and trying to break through in that place in your own life to hold on and go through that place. We talked about that. Everyday faith. Faith isn't just when you need something. Faith isn't just when... Uh, you want something out there in the future and you get a scripture and you begin to stand on it and say, this, this is going to happen for me. It's the word of the Lord out of the written word, out of the rhema word, which is when God makes a scripture real to you. How many of you have experienced that? Like you read the Bible, but then one scripture will stand out. And it's like, this is what God's saying to me right now for where I am. This is the one I need to plant my faith in this scripture and begin to declare it, decree it every day. Everybody say every day, all the time. And then uh, last week we talked about faith or fear, that fear is something that stops faith. You can't walk in faith and be fearful at the same time. It, once you slip into fear, you kind of let go of faith because you're not looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, but you're looking at a circumstance and fear rises up on the inside and it will stop your faith. It can't, uh, faith never quits. Everybody say that faith doesn't quit. People quit. People quit faith. When God speaks something, he is going to do it. And he requires us to live by faith and not by 
sight. We had that scripture. If you'd put that one up, Vicki, we're going to look at that one tonight as we begin faith failures. It says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, that uh, Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. Then he goes on in, in verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, if you know Jesus, you are the just. That means you've been justified by the blood of Jesus just as if you never sinned. Justified. So the just shall live by faith. Everybody say this, I'm a faith person. Now, I know there's been some things in the past, maybe you've heard stories about that faith stuff just isn't, you know, God. Well, I'm telling you, if you read the Bible, he talks about faith a lot in his word. So I think he, I think God likes faith. It says in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God without faith. So we live by faith and not by sight. And then the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, yeah, that's not. Hearing by what your neighbor thinks. That's not hearing by what your best buddy thinks. It's by hearing the word of God. Now, hopefully you all run around with people who encourage you with the word of God. But there are a lot of people who aren't walking where you're walking in your faith. So even those that may be growing in, in their faith may not be able to get where you are to walk in agreement with you in faith. But we all need to allow every person to walk their journey where they're walking it, but encourage them in their faith. Everybody say, encourage people to walk by faith and not by sight. When we were in Tulsa years ago, I remember uh, Brother Hagen was a man, you know, in fact, a lot of people think he's the one that started the faith movement, but all he did was go to Mark 11, 23 and 24, and in 22 it says, have faith in God, and he made that his whole text all the years of his life. In fact, some people said, you always know what he's going to preach. Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24 in some form. Because he was a man who believed that the just shall live by faith and they will have whatever God's told them they can have if they will live that way. And uh, I, I was thinking about him because he always said, you need to find people not just like faith in that they believe in faith, but people who really can get an agreement with where you are in your faith. There's nothing wrong with being at different levels, but if you're going to get in agreement with somebody, get in agreement with someone who's walking where you're walking. In other words, that's, that's when there's power. If any two agree as to touching anything, that's what that means. When you get in agreement with someone who's walking right where you're walking. In other words, that bears witness with me. I can agree with you in faith. Amen? And so uh, tonight, I want to read you this, this story by Jerry Seville. Some of you may not know who he is, but he's been in the Word of God for years. He talks about, in this scripture, everyone experiences failure. But he, he goes to the scripture, and he talks about how we're not ever supposed to quit. Everybody say, we don't quit. See, God won't quit. Uh, so there are no real faith failures in that uh, if you quit, God isn't still believing for you to do it. It, it. God wants you to still get back and walk by faith. 
everybody say we're supposed to live by faith and walk by faith. And so, but there are failures that happen in our lives. There's times in my life where God's told me, do this, and I have failed at that. Uh, there's times where I've failed and then gotten back up and, and accomplished it. Uh, there's times where I haven't failed. But we can't, we can't live in a failure mentality. So much of the world today is living in a failure or victim. You hear victim mentality. That's people who just feel like there's no hope. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So they have to get back and hope in order for their faith to begin to move forward. And uh, he's telling this story. And he's, he's a very funny guy. Um, and it, it, when he preaches, he's full of humor. Uh, and I always loved when he preached because when you leave, you know and remember everything that he said. I mean, for me. I don't know whether it's the humor or what. But uh, this one just, I, I was laughing when I read it. It says, everyone experiences failure. But I learned a long time ago, even in the midst of failure, don't quit. Everybody say, don't quit. When you're failing, don't quit. When you get knocked down, get right back up. And every time, it's a lesson I've learned well. In fact, it's become the theme of my life. Years ago, right after I started in ministry, a church invited me to preach at a ranch in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The members sat on lawn chairs in front of a makeshift platform so small the church's drummer had to sit on the ground beside it. Nonetheless, I was so excited to have an opportunity to preach that I preached as hard as I could. Everything from Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne, and all of them rolled together. As I ran back and forth across that platform, fired up, I stepped too close to the edge and fell off stage right into the bass drum. Can you imagine? There I was, the preacher, my bottom in the bass drum, my arms and legs sticking straight up. I can appreciate this because I fell off my piano bench once. Going lickety split on there's going to be a revival in the land. And down I went. And my sister comes over the drums and go, what are you doing? I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. But anyway, I understand this was, a, this was an embarrassing moment. I mean, he's preaching, he's excited, and he's upside down in the drum with his legs and arms up in the air. And he said, Lord, what do I do? And he said, the Lord said, get up quick. Do a Micah 7-8, when I fall, I shall arise. Don't even mention the fall. Just get up, take up right where you left off, and act like this is the way you preach all the time. <laughs> he said, I did just as he said. I didn't quit. I got up, stepped back on the platform, kept preaching. It turned out to be a great service. Afterward, now listen to this. Afterward, a lady approached me. Brother Jerry, why did you fall off the platform? That's a dumb question, but anyway, she, he said, it was an accident, I admitted, but did you see the getting up? That was quite a recovery. She said, do you fall often? This is the way people are. And, and he, said, he said, no. Did you see the getting up? I repeated. Is there something wrong with you? She pressed. Do you need prayer? I don't want to talk about the fall, I said. Did you see the getting up? Many people are like that woman. They spend their entire lives talking about the fall. They think God's teaching them something down there, but God doesn't want us to focus on the fall. He wants us to get back up and talk about the recovery. 
And the good part of this story that I, I found really interesting, he said when he first got saved, he quit on everything. I mean, I'll read you a little of it. He said, um, it, quitting became my lifestyle. If someone made me mad, I quit. If I believed they were wrong, I'd quit. He'd start one business and he'd quit because things didn't go the way he wanted them to. He said, I was a real quitter. And then he said, this scripture I read, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. He said, that little word continue jumped right out at me. And he said, so God turned a quitter into someone whose life theme has become, don't quit. And that's the truth. Almost every time he preaches, he preaches ultimately on don't quit. Why? Because he was a quitter. Sometimes the things that have happened in your life that seem the worst thing of all is the very thing God's going to use in your life to help other people. You just got to get to the other side. Everybody say, get to the other side. And so today, um, I just want to share this with you because I felt like God spoke it to me. What we think is failure is sometimes God setting us aside for his purpose, which we cannot see at the time. And he gave me Joseph as the example. You remember Joseph had that dream, and uh, he dreamed that ultimately his brothers were going to bow down to him. His father was going to bow down to him. He even got the coat of many colors, which his father made him so special above all his brothers. And, you know, I don't know if he got a little uh, into himself or what. I don't know why, but I know they threw him in a pit when they got upset but, but do you know he never quit? He never quit on God. And he went through a lot of things. But at the end of the story in Genesis, um, could you put that up, Vicki, 45, 5 through 7? There's two places where he talked about what had happened. And this is exactly the example I felt like God gave me of what he told me. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. And then it goes on, for these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Now, we know that he was thrown in a pit. We know he had a confrontation with Pharaoh's wife, we know that landed him in jail. We know that there were the baker and the, what was the other guy? Cupbearer, that, you know, he asked them specifically, could you remember me to Pharaoh? And nothing happened for a couple of years after that. Yet, God had a plan. And it says everywhere he went, he prospered, even in jail. He was not a failure in God's sight. He, in all of those circumstances, became prepared for what he would have to stand against when the abundance came. Do you know sometimes it's harder to work in the abundance and stay faithful than it is in the lack? A lot of people, how many of you have heard people that win the lottery or things like that and their lives are a shambles? Sometimes wealth is not what people think it's going to be for their life. Everybody say faith. I need to live by faith. And Joseph lived by faith. So his failure in, in people's maybe eyes of that time were really 
just God putting him aside until he put him in position (laughs) through those situations to become next to Pharaoh, the top guy in the nation with the ability to carry all that time, 14 years, to carry those people through to where they had to be. Faith will work. If you stay in faith, God will prove himself. And what I felt like God says, there's always a miracle at the end of that. There's always a miracle. And that was a miracle that Joseph became who he became in that, in that story. And so I don't, I don't know. I know um, sometimes God will speak something to us. And I remember specifically this thing in my life because uh, Pastor Bill was going through Bible school, you know, and he was having his ups and downs and, and in the middle of all that, in 1970, well, this is 1981, 82, um, I heard specifically, you will lead worship for me. Now, I didn't understand really what leading worship was until I went over to First Assembly years ago because I directed choirs. And you had your back to the people. You didn't look at people. That would be the last thing I'd want to do is look at the people. So... Leading worship wasn't something I was just itching to do, you know. I, and so when I heard it, I thought, oh, no, you know, I, you know, I do choir, but I don't, I don't do that. And we were in Tulsa at that time, so every service was a big worship service. But um, I heard, and you will start leading on March, and I can't remember now the exact date, but I wrote it down. And this was like in January or something of that year. Do you remember? And um, it wasn't very long after that, a guy who was the maintenance guy at the church, he was from Indiana. We had a relationship with him because our kids played ball together. And uh, he, he called me and said, listen, we're having Beth Alves to our house. Now, you may never heard of her, but she's a woman who just has words for people. She's an intercessor. Uh, she's just a, she's in Texas, but at that time she was a very popular person in those that were coming to speak at victory. And, uh, he said they were friends with her and he said, she's coming to our care group on March exact date. And he said, we felt to call you and ask you if you would lead some worship to start that meeting. I thought, dear God. I don't do that. They'll all be looking at me. And I felt like God said, no, they'll shut their eyes. I thought, well, I'll shut mine. And that'll be a guarantee right there. But I had to play a little piano by myself in this place and lead worship. And uh, I left there. I don't think I did that good a job in my opinion, but they were worshiping. The spirit of God was there. That was all that, you know, God doesn't measure things by how good we know things musically or any of those things. So, um, but I thought it must be true. I, I mean, how could it not be true if it's the exact date? I am, I promise you, this was like a big thing for me because it said, I know exactly what I'm talking about here. But after that, nothing. I didn't sing in the choir. I wasn't involved in the music ministry. I did administrative work. I worked alongside my husband, worked along pastor. I didn't do anything that had to do with music there. And I remember standing on the front row in this huge service that we would have. We were in like the maybe center, which was like 
a, a Purdue arena, you know, for basketball. And we were down that front row, and I remember saying, Lord, I must have not heard you right. He said, I'm just hiding you until it's your time. I thought, well, you're doing a really good job. Because not even I'm believing that you're going to do this. Because it had been a couple of years. All of a sudden, they asked me to start playing the keyboard for the Bible school worship. And I had a little worship team. It was not very long after that, Pastor Billy Joe, I did a Christmas program with that worship team. And it was all these different nations represented on that worship team. It was a year. Gina, who's been here, Gaxiola was on it. And we had Norway. We had somebody from Germany. I mean, we had all these different nations. And, of course, Pastor was very, very much a world man. He, he loved the world, and he did ministry all over the world. And he came and he saw that Christmas. I had them all sing something. I can't remember what in their language. And afterward, he said, and, I, and he said, would you, would you bring those people and sing on a Sunday morning? And God said, I told you, you would lead worship. I thought, oh, dear Jesus, th- I don't want to go there. <laughs> That's too many people. You know, even the little room, that was overwhelming. I'm going to look up at all those people. In the, and we had, a, we had developed a, a choir <laughs> of the VBI students. All 150 or whatever it was of those VBI students, he wanted them all up there on Sunday morning. The bleachers he brought out, here comes this team, and me, the leader. And God said, I told you. Only lasted about six months. We did it every month. And then God told us, go to Lafayette. And then I was the worship leader when we started the church. See, God knows, even in those times where he's hiding you, he's developing something on the inside of you. Just because you hear it, you cannot let go of what God told you. You have to remain faithful, even in places you may not want to be. I really didn't enjoy all the jobs I had there. But every job I had there has helped us do what we do here. So in those places, you can feel like, I'm a failure. I, you know, I can, this can't be God, but it is God because he's working on other things in your life to position you where you're supposed to be. So what he told me, what we think is failure is sometimes God setting us aside for his purpose, which we cannot see at the time. Everybody say this. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Um, doubt and unbelief will be your enemy. And you will have a faith failure if you get into doubt and unbelief. Uh, God reminded me of Peter, but I want to say this story before I tell you the final one. In Matthew 14, uh, there's a story, and you all know the story where Peter got out on the water. And if you look at that story in uh, Matthew 14, he was doing fine when he was looking at Jesus. But he had a faith failure. And that faith failure came when he looked at the waves and doubt and unbelief got a hold of him. And doubt and unbelief are a real feeling. They're real. The feeling is real. But it does not change what God has said. He could have continued to walk all the way to Jesus if he would have kept looking at Jesus. He had a faith failure because he looked the other way. Let's look at that scripture. Can you put that up, Matthew 25? 
now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. I believe a lot of things Jesus did were a test for his disciples to see if they would stay in a position of walking with him, walking by faith and not by sight. And so he's walking. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear, which we talked about last week. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't know that there's been a recorded place in the Bible before this where he's walking on water. How many of you know that would be a little surprising? If you were out fishing and somebody came walking out on the lake, you know, that would be like, yeah, really. My kids used to tease me because when we played golf, especially my son John, because he just, he, he likes to win. And um, every now and then, I just do really good. But it seemed like if I got in the water, my ball skipped and jumped right out of the lake. Truly. And he would say, what is that? And I would think, I didn't say it, but Jesus walked on the water, so my ball just jumped on the water. I don't know, but it would happen all the time. It would just go zip, zip out of the water. Well, you know, if you saw somebody walking on water, that would be really a new thing. But, you know, he, he's, he's telling them, it's just me, guys. And Peter answers him because Peter is pretty quick to do what he wants to do. Everybody say what he wants to do. So he jumps, he says, uh, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. I imagine the other disciples were like, oh, it's him again. You know, I mean, he thinks he's got the weirdest imagination. And Jesus says, come. It didn't shock Jesus that he wanted to walk on the water. Sure, come, come walk on the water. I don't think, I think we're more shocked than Jesus is at things that we encounter. And he says, and when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But here we go in verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, save me, Lord. At least he called on the right person. A lot of people, when they get in trouble and have a faith failure, they run from God. And Jesus saved him. But Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you, why did you doubt he wasn't, I don't believe he was angry with him. It was like, hey, you could have done it. But she got over there in doubt and unbelief, and now you can't. But what does it say in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2? It talks about how we're running this race, and, and we're getting rid of all the weights and the sin. Doubt and unbelief are a weight. They get on you, and they don't want to get off. How many of you have experienced that? I know, Manny, you've experienced that. The devil, you know, looks, look at your circumstances. You really think God could do that with you, blah, 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 blah. How many have ever heard that one? That's, I mean, he's really good with that one. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, doubt, unbelief, things that are lies, and the sin, you know, the things which we're doing that we shouldn't be doing, which so easily ensnare us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That was his race at that moment, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him. In other words, what God would accomplish through his death caused him to endure the cross. When he was on that cross, he wasn't looking at how bad it was. He was still seeing what it would be. Amen? 
And it says, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will accomplish what God has told us to walk by faith in. We will see it. And right after this, if you study that scripture, it says, and when they got off the boat, multitudes of people came and they were saved and they were healed. I, I know that this is true. When you walk by faith and not by sight, you get to see the supernatural. Because God is wanting to do something that only he will get the glory for. We won't get it. And I believe a lot of the testing is to make sure we won't take it. Could I say that again? That we will recognize when we get to the end of that faith walk that he did it. Because we didn't quit on him. But he did it and he gets the glory. Um, as I was looking at this, it says in James 1 through uh, 1, 6 that when you need wisdom from God, let him ask in faith, not doubting. You know, when, when you're walking in something that God has told you to do by faith, then those doubtful thoughts, you know, those questionings that the enemy will try to bring to sidetrack you, um, you have to go back to what God said and walk by faith in it and not let that doubt because it says in the end you'll become double-minded and when you get double-minded you can't find where faith went <laughs> have you ever been there like where'd you go god where did you go and and that's what the enemy wants to do and it's a battle of course between your mind and the spirit but in your your daily walk you don't always recognize that you just think you're you know you're you're confused if you're confused it's not god you need to get back to a place where you're in peace, and then you'll hear what God is saying. There's no, no way to walk by faith if you're confused in doubt and unbelief, and you're going back and forth and back and forth. Uh, Matthew 21, 21 says, have faith and do not doubt in your heart. Everybody say, do not doubt in your heart. I put down the wrong scripture because that's not it, is it? If you have, oh, yes, it is. Certainly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt. So doubt is something that God knows that we will have a battle with or it wouldn't be in the word. So it's, it's one of the ploys of the enemy that causes us to get in that place. It really becomes a place of indecision. And faith is a decision. This is what God said, and this is where I'm going. The devil wants to get you in a place where you begin to question that decision. And you get in that place where you don't know if you've made the right decision. How many of you ever thought, I don't know if I did that right? We have had things, my husband and I, that we have had to face in ministry where things didn't go the way we thought they should go. But we were doing what we felt like God said to do. So even to do it, we were walking by faith. And then when it doesn't happen, what does the enemy cause you to doubt yourself in hearing God? You don't doubt God because you know God is God and he'll do whatever he says. But you begin to doubt, did I really hear that? Did he really say that? And then he begins to get you wavering and ultimately you'll become double-minded and then you don't know anything. And that's exactly what it says in James. You're double-minded, and then you are unstable. Unstable. I believe we have multitudes of people in the body of Christ who are unstable, unfortunately. 
And the only way out of that is to walk by faith and not by sight. My sister, she's always, te- you know, Chris, she, she <laughs> whenever I do anything, she goes, I know that's not you, it's God, because I, I know you, I was raised with you, I slept in the same bedroom, and that's not you, that's God doing that. <laughs> and today she said to me, listen, I just want to tell you, Joyce Meyer is preaching on faith. So I guess you have heard God. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. Those are reruns. You know, but, <laughs> but anyway, the Spirit of God will tell people to walk by faith and not by sight because God wants to do such big things that nobody's going to understand it if you tried to explain it, not even you. Okay? It, it, there's nothing to explain because it's not explainable in earth terms. But it is if you look at the scripture and you see what God will do. Um, the last thing I felt that God told me to talk about tonight, and I want to pray for people, is return to your faith. Um, you know, I, I spend time talking to people, and I know people who um, they think people cause their problem, but they cause their own problem. And because they can't admit that, and they blame other people, which allows them to just stay stuck in where they're living. Because until you say, I did it, I repent, forgive me, you're stuck. Everybody say, I don't want to be stuck. And I've been stuck before. It's not a happy place. Because it's never happy to be separated from fellowship with the Lord once you know fellowship. Amen? I mean, there's a difference between knowing Jesus is the Son of God and being a Christian and and believing the Word of God and singing two fast songs and two slow songs and sitting down and all of that. Because, you know, that, that can become just rote. But when you know that there's something that's happened and it's not the same as it was, Brother Copeland always said, Go back to where you last heard something and do it immediately (laughs) because you're stuck. And a lot of people, I believe, are stuck in faith failures because they're looking at what other people did. And other people did do things. How many of you know people make mistakes? People do things to you because they're they're mixed up too. And they they don't have all the answers just like you don't have all the answers. But they're not your source. And you're not walking their faith walk, you're walking your own. Could I say that again? Because I know a lot of wannabes who try to be who aren't. That's a sermon for another night. <laughs> I'll do that right after Easter once you're all really excited about everything. But it's true. A lot. God told me the other day, hey, do your part. Do your part. And this happened to Peter. You know, when Jesus said to Peter, and he says exactly, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail. Why did he say that? Because faith will fail in a person who stops walking by faith and not by sight. Amen? They start looking at what's going on. It's exactly. Now, Peter was, Peter was God's choice for the book of Acts. 
He was. Now, he, was, he had his moments. He had his highs, and he certainly had his lows. When he tried to tell Jesus, oh, that's, you're not right. How dumb is that? You've just acknowledged he's the son of God. Now you're telling me he doesn't know what he's talking about. See, so, you know, when God said that's a revelation from heaven, he was saying to Peter, don't get the big head. You didn't get that. I put that in you. That's why you know that. And so, of course, his big head got back in it. And he tried to tell Jesus he was wrong. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I'm sure that was a shocker. Now, in this one, in Luke, and, and I believe this tonight for anybody who's here. No matter how bad you've screwed up, no matter how much you've let go, no matter how many times you've quit, God has an intention for you, and it says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you since he went to heaven. He is interceding for you. So the same as he prayed for Peter, he's praying for you. The same thing. And so he, but, but he's got an assignment. He knows Peter's got an assignment. Peter is going to be the guy in the book of Acts that is going to lead the whole church in the first church of the first church or whatever they called it. I don't know. But he's the one that preached, and 3,000 were added to the church. He's the one who preached, and 5,000, it went to 5,000, and it just grew. And it was going to be Peter. But right here at the very end in Luke 22, this is what it says in verse 31 and 32. Jesus looks right at him, and the, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And listen to this. And when you've returned to me, in other words, I know it won't. Isn't that good news? It's kind of like Abraham going to Mount Moriah. He said, I'm going to the mountain and we'll be back. That was faith. So he's, he's trying to give him faith. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But in the same chapter, at the end of it, it's recorded that he denied him three times before the rooster code, just like Jesus told him he would. But it didn't change his destiny. But I believe if you read in most translations, when it's all said and done and Peter has denied him, it says he wept. I believe he repented. And when he repented, God reached out with that destiny. And in John, the very last chapter of John, Jesus talks to Peter. They were out on the sea fishing, and Peter jumps out of the boat, and they're at the fire, and, and he says, Peter, do you love me? See, love, faith works by, how does faith work? By love. So he didn't ask him, do you have faith? He said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Oh, Lord, I love you. He asked him three times. I know a lot of theology. They'll say this meant this and this meant this. But I, in my heart, I just believe I'm kind of simple. He denied him three times, so he made him answer him three times. Do you love me? And sure enough, you know what Peter said? Not very long after that, if you're, I'm paraphrasing, he said, well, what about John? Because he said, Jesus said to him, you know, when you're old, you won't even be able to decide where you're going. In other words, somebody else will be deciding that because you'll be in captivity. 
So he, he sees John walk over, and he goes, well, what about John? And he still didn't lose his destiny. Jesus turned around and said to him, what is that to you? Whatever I want to do with him, I'll do. You do what I told you to do. When I was reading that, that's when God said to me, do your part. He said, in the body of Christ, there are so many people who want to do somebody else's part. And, and the whole picture can't be painted because they're over there trying to be a wannabe who isn't, who will never be. Because that job has to be by the anointing and not by the natural. Now, I've gone to preach another thing, so i got to go back over here a minute, just a minute. <laughs> God has really been speaking to me about this because, you know, we started with unity. There's no unity if everybody in the puzzle is jumping around, wanting to be something else. And this happens in the body of Christ. We just need to be who God called us to be. I walk by faith and not by sight. I don't know why he told me to be this, but I'm going to be the best at this that that I can be, and the anointing will destroy the yoke of bondage and lift every burden when I do it because I'm in position. That's the only reason Joseph succeeded because he did what he was supposed to do in the position he was in, and he was promoted every time because of the anointing on his life. Failure happens when we don't do what God says. If you read about Peter, see, the book of Luke and the book of Acts are both written by Luke. And really, they were all written together. So he goes right from, you know, that account with, that happens with Peter where he denies. Then he goes right into the book of Acts. And it says in chapter 1, And Peter stood up, and he took charge of the whole situation and said, We have to pick a 12th disciple. He did that because he was anointed. Somewhere between what he denied Christ, when he denied him, and he wept, and God asked him, do you love me? Somewhere in there, he was past the test to be able to lead, or God would have never positioned him there, or and he would have never been anointed. And immediately, it says he stood up, and they picked the 12th disciple, then they went into the upper room, Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, it said, when they began to speak in tongues, he stood up again and he said, this is that which the prophet Joel said in the last days. And he began to quote Joel. And he began to say, this is what's going to happen. And then he continued into chapter 3. He's the one that you see the first notable miracle. That's what the Sadducees, Pharisees, the rulers called it. He did that first notable miracle with the guy at the beautiful gate pulled him up, and said, such as I have, I give to you. Everybody say, that's faith. That's faith. And then he got called in by the authorities, and this time he did not deny him. He not only did not deny him, he told them, listen, you bunch of baboons, you're the ones who killed him. And I will not not say the name of Jesus. So there. And he left. And he went and said, we're going to pray that we will be more bold than we just were. He was a quitter who became someone who said, don't quit. Just like Jerry Seville. You cannot quit on God. There will be faith failures. We all make mistakes. But keep going. 
Everybody say, keep going. Don't stop. My husband says, when you're going through hell, don't stop. You heard somebody say that? I'm telling you, you cannot stop. Peter did not stop, and he was so powerful that people would leave people laying in the street just so when his shadow went by, the people would be healed. And this is a man who denied him three times. God is a forgiving God, and he never changes his mind. And he doesn't change his mind about any of you either. We walk by faith and not by sight. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, that I felt like you told me, Lord, that you would, you would come tonight in this place and you would heal people. Who um, See, once you get into doubt and unbelief, condemnation is, is a friend of theirs. And, and it will come on you. And it will make you feel like, well, now I can't even go to God. Because now I've failed God. Nothing you have done will cause God to stop pursuing you. He will never stop pursuing you for the call that's on your life. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. You may be here tonight, and, and, and there will be failure in your life if Jesus does not become the Lord of your life. Because there is a devil who hates you. And he has a plan for you, he, just like God has a plan. And he will take you straight to hell unless you say, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says if you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God, confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. What from? Saved from the wrath of hell. Saved from the strongholds that the devil has tried to put on your life. You will be delivered. You will be saved, delivered, and healed. And tonight, if you're here, we don't ever close a service without saying, is Jesus the Lord of your life? And if he isn't, let this night be the night that you pray and give him that opportunity to take over and help you in your life. Because he will. If you ask, he will help you. If that's you and you say, I've never really done that, or maybe you've walked that way and then you've kind of let down and gone your own way and you know, that you need to make that right. Above all else, you need to make that right. If that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you tonight before we pray for everybody here. Anybody? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's just all pray this. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for my sins. Thank you that he's made a way for me to succeed I yield my life to him thank you Lord that your blood has made a way for me to be free from addictions from, from situations that hold me captive the devil has no right to me because I am a believer and I am saved by grace. Now, I also want to pray tonight. If that's you and you know it's you, you know that there's a place in your life you need you need to get back, like, it said, like I said, return to faith. If you know that's you, and I, yeah, I need to return to faith. After hearing this message, I realize I have let go of some things and I need to, I need to get back on this. Would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you tonight. Yeah.
God sees your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Would you come down here? I'm going to pray for you before we go tonight. The Bible says you lay hands on people and, and the enemy's works will be stopped. Yeah, come on down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Before we close. Sue, you want to come put your hands right here? Can you just put your hands right here, Danny? Sandy, go over there. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stretch our hands out. <clears throat> Father, I thank you tonight that, that even though we let go, you don't let go of us. Even though we let go of things that we know to be truth just because of circumstances, situations, or maybe uh, something really has happened to us that is, is very real. Someone did do something. Someone said something. Someone uh, interfered in where, in, in where we were walking and caused us to turn aside. In Jesus' name, I want, I want everybody to say this. Father, I let go and I forgive anyone who might be hindering me from walking by faith and not by sight. I let them go. They don't walk my walk. And I don't walk theirs. And I release them to walk their walk. And I thank you, Father, that I will walk my walk by the grace of God. Heal me. Heal my mind. Heal my heart. Set me back on track to do what you've called me to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you have a destiny and a purpose, and there will be no faith failures. I want everybody to say this. I am here on purpose, and I do have a destiny, and I will not be distracted. I will not doubt. I will not walk in unbelief. I walk by faith and not by sight. I see what Jesus sees. I see what God says and I meditate on his word I do not listen to the stranger's voice I listen to God and I believe what I hear and I walk according to truth everything that is a lie I will discern I will tell the devil get your hands off God's property I have a destiny a purpose and it's not over till it's over and that'll be when I see Jesus face to face and not one minute sooner in Jesus name everybody said amen give God praise and go and be blessed turn to somebody around you and say when I